0: and welcome to this podcast exploring significant ways that the NHS can support social and economic development.
1: The estate rationalisation that has taken place, where buildings are boarded up for 10 or 15 years that could be used for something else, we really do need to look at that.
0: We want others to look at what is it you can achieve socially, economically, in your local area.
1: When we talk about how do we treat homelessness, We treat the conditions of homelessness by applying a plaster or giving them some medication or putting people in rehab. What we've got an opportunity here to do, we are preventing it.
0: What integrated care systems offer is that opportunity to come together, to have that inclusive approach, access that's not siloed, use our collective resources, public, private, voluntary. We need to work together. Hi, I'm Jean Templeton and I'm Chief Executive of St Basil's. We're an organisation that works in the West Midlands with young people that are homeless or at risk of homelessness and have been working with Sunwell and West Birmingham NHS Trust for some six, seven, eight years now, Jim, is it? On a really, really exciting project, which we'll talk about in a minute.
1: It is about six or seven years now, Jean. My name's Jim Pollitt. I'm the Assistant Director of Strategic Development at Sandwell and West Birmingham Hospitals Trust. One of the strategic objectives the Trust has got is about improving health and well-being and addressing poverty in the local economy. And some years ago, I got in touch with St. Basil's to have a discussion about how we might help with homeless young people, but also getting those young people into employment. As I say, as part of our public health and well-being strategy, we're developing it further and we're looking at addressing things which come under the envelope or the strategy of integrated care, but also as an anchor institution. And I think that is the focus of us going forward, how we address that. But I think this project sticks out because it's something that can be delivered all over the country with some hard work, but not a significant amount of money. But the benefits are huge.
0: It's really interesting because I can remember, I think when you first went out, Jim, and you were looking for interest and you contacted us, there's two things, weren't there? There was, on the one hand, you wanted to do something for tackling homelessness. That was a, that was a social objective. But on the other hand, you also, as a trust, were conscious that you wanted a more diverse workforce, and you wanted a younger workforce, and you also wanted to ensure that young people locally would have opportunities. So I think where we started from was we were looking at okay, so that's what you want to achieve. What we wanted to achieve at St Basil's was that the points you made earlier about it's a real challenge often for young people who have experienced homelessness or at risk of homelessness, and they don't have access to bank or mom and dad. resources that many of us back up our families and our kids with and so it's really hard for them sometimes then to get a truly affordable housing offer so we were coming from is there something different we can do here is there something that we can do together that would enable those young people that normally struggle to find that route into a really good job and a good career let's be honest because you work in the NHS a good career what can we do better together So, Basils always looks at it that people tend to see homelessness and they see it as the demographic is often they see street homelessness and there's a particular demographic. That's not family homelessness and that's not youth homelessness. Youth homelessness is much, much more diverse than that. And it's not just about they've got nowhere to live. We kind of see it as though there's four legs of a table. If you've got your home and it's safe to be there and it's affordable and sustainable, that's one leg of your table is pretty solid. If you've got good health, or you've got access to good health care, whether it's mental health or physical health, that's another leg of your table, pretty solid. If you've got healthy relationships, safe relationships, and whether that's in your family or in your friendship network or in care system, but if you can rely on those, that's your third leg pretty solid. And then the fourth leg of your table is having a means of earning your income to do the things you want to do. So whether that's employment or a route to it, those four legs of your table, you can then do other things on them. And so what we wanted to do was work with you folks, because you were able to help with the employment. You'd got some resource that had been boarded up. I mean, it used to be realised that you needed that, didn't you? You needed accommodation for local workers. And then we could look at the support that was required to enable young people to start that opportunity and that journey. And that's kind of where we started, wasn't it? But we had to find a way through what we were each thinking
1: some of the bureaucracy that we encountered because we didn't have a blueprint to follow and some things we thought was fairly straightforward suddenly become problematic. So as a trust, we did have the estate. We had some derelict nursing accommodation that was used many years ago for student nurses but had been boarded up for about 15 years. So to bring one of those accommodation blocks back online seemed fairly straightforward to me. But when I tried to get that estate online. I didn't realise just how difficult it could be. I must remind people that the estate rationalisation that has taken place where buildings are boarded up for 10 or 15 years that could be used for something else, we really do need to look at that because it is just a waste of money and a waste of accommodation that could be used for other things outside of healthcare itself. So by... Going to various partners, and I've got to say that Homes England played a significant part in assisting this, we, we managed to secure funding. And we also have got to say thanks very much to Neil Baxter, who got dragged into this, I think, but showed great vision and willingness. He was fantastic in supporting this entire project, in getting contractors and tradespeople and suppliers to provide not only labour, but materials at cost to make this scheme viable. And once it was viable, we ended up with accommodation for around 27 young people to be able to live it and to go on to apprenticeships within our trust, which working with St. Basil's, who provide the pastoral care, suddenly we had a model that we thought would work and would be fairly easy. We can't skirt around the difficulties that we did encounter, there was attitudes and behaviours within the Trust, our current workforce, and their attitudes and behaviours towards young people, particularly if they had a label of being homeless, it was quite challenging. Some of the individuals, and I would say only a minority of them, uh, had some challenges as well. And we was tolerant, we devised strategies and plans, we looked at our policies that we had in place and how we could change some of that to ensure that we had the right people and they was being looked after correctly, not just pastorally by St. Basil's when they was in the accommodation, but also within the workplace. Those were some of the things we encountered uh, that I didn't, when I say I, I'm talking about the trust didn't expect or anticipate, albeit St. Basil's had had quite a, a long track record of dealing with young people and getting them into employment. But it was a surprise for us all, I think. In particular, the local authorities and their attitudes to the movement of young people across the boundaries to move them into the accommodation. We suddenly got lots of flags saying you can't do that because you can't transfer someone from one boundary to another because of the benefits. And I think that's where we then had to get our heads together to come up with a scheme that ensured that, that young people were benefit-free which I think was the key to unlocking it all. The individuals were not claiming housing benefits or any benefits of any kind. And once we achieved that, I think it was fairly straightforward and a learning curve from there on.
0: We were trying to do things actually, which weren't about optimizing income for either of the organizations. It was about what is it we want to achieve? So you had the resource boarded up, as you say, for a very long time, not being used. You wanted to do something good with it. We are a registered housing association and we're a charity. But we wanted to do something, like you say, different. We wanted to have rents deflated below benefit level so that young people didn't have to dual navigate the benefit system and work. Because often it's work that suffers. And if you're young, you're inexperienced and you've got multiple plates spinning, the biggest risk is you lose your home. So you give up the job. So what we were trying to do was then how do we make this stack up? at rents below benefit level rents below benefit level back in 2015 were 42 pounds a week so we started from that basis didn't we and then we said okay how do we make this wash its face how does it stack up so like you say homes england because we are housing association we were able to secure capital from then to put that in you were able to lease the buildings to us at Peppercorn for 10 years. So you required nothing back. But at the end of the period, you would have refurbished buildings. Our lovely colleague, Neil Baxter, from Keepmoat, Keepmoat did the work at cost and they persuaded their supply chain to do the work at cost. Health Education West Midlands put some yep. funding in for supernumerary apprenticeship posts. And it was almost like... The more we got people on board with what we were collectively trying to achieve, Mm -hmm. the more people, oh, we could do this, we could do that. So for me, it was about what is it we are all trying to achieve for people here, rather than normally you start with like, there's a development here. How can we optimize this? How much will it cost? How do we get the money? How do we do the rent? We said we want young people with homes and jobs who don't have access to bank of mom and dad, but pay in the same kind of allowance. So even on an apprenticeship wage, they don't need to claim benefits. And because we started from that position, we were able to make it stack up. And now, as you say, we're now, so it opened in 2015, 2021, we've had over 120 young people who've lived and worked through that scheme. Not a single one of them has been homeless again. They've all moved on to employment and not a single one has claimed benefit. And we even got the independent evaluation pro bono didn't we lovely company did that for us and they showed that for every pound that went into that scheme even if you monetize the pro bono contributions that we talked about there is a 14 pound return to the public purse within 10 years now it won the national housing award it won another national award for best partnership in 2020 not because either of us, our organizations are gong hunters, but because we want others to take it up. We want others to look at what is it you can achieve socially, economically in your local area and what are the bits you've got. Are you an employer? Have you got any property? Do you have a bit of resource? Can you work with other partners across sectors? Because I think what this has achieved is that by all these bits we've had, we couldn't have done anything with them independently, but by working together, We've managed to achieve that.
1: It is about the opportunities that are coming forward. And with the integrated care systems forming, public sector organisations, as we know, have got to provide so many apprenticeships. I think it's something like 2.5% of the workforce needs to be made up of apprentices. Now, that's a national target. They also contribute significantly to the apprenticeship levy which is about 1.5%, I think, of the total pay bill. There's a lot of investment from public sector organisations, local authorities, NHS and so on. And with the ICSs coming together, those pockets of estate are scattered all across a geographical area. We're quite fortunate, I think, Jean, in the fact we had purpose-built student accommodation on our site, yeah. albeit derelict. There are yeah. other organisations that will have some buildings Absolutely. somewhere. Accommodation units could be looked at to provide accommodation for young people on employment, such as a live and work scheme. And the refurbishment of those will be supported by the Homes England housing strategy and in some cases by the local authority too. And when you look at the scope and the range of apprenticeships that are available, not just within the NHS, but within all of those public sector organisations and support organisations, there's opportunity for lots of young people, not necessarily going directly into employment within the health sector. I recall when Balfour Beatty took over the construction at the Carillion site, the first couple of apprenticeships that were offered there was Tower Crane operatives. Now, you wouldn't think you could book on an apprenticeship as a tower crane operative within the NHS, but that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And when you look at some of the major construction that occurs within the NHS, we can offer apprenticeships with our partners and get them in. So he's looking at the scope of the offer and how to implement it that bit wider.
0: I agree with you. I kind of think, you know, I like to think of integrated care, capital I, capital N. How can we keep young people, anybody actually, but if we can keep people in the mainstream systems, if we can actually make the mainstream system, the universal space we all occupy, fit for purpose, we can keep people in. And we all know that if you reduce the risks of falling out of those different systems, you know, the four legs of the table I talked about, then actually everything, you know, you do stuff upstream, you have less spend on crisis. So, for me, an integrated care system is about keeping people in the mainstream, reducing the risks, increasing the protective factors that will help them stay there, and making a system isn't all siloed. It's not hot potatoes. It's not like, oh, can't deal with that person because they've got mental health issues. Can't deal with the mental health issues because they've got drug and alcohol issues. Can't deal with drug and alcohol because they've got mental health. Can't deal with well either because they've got nowhere to live or oh, can't have anywhere to live because they've got too high needs. Well, that's just nonsense. That's just goes down that route of siloed, expensive, ultimate exclusion. And for me, what integrated care systems offer is that opportunity to come together to have that inclusive approach, to have access that's not siloed, that's joint access, use our collective resources, make process fit for purpose, and ultimately keep people in.
1: Building on the success of having one accommodation block where we had 27 bed spaces available for young people, We've managed to convince the trust board that it would be a good idea to release the other three blocks of accommodation that have been derelict. You did.
0: You managed to convince them, (laughs) yes.
1: So we've managed to get the board to agree that they will sign over these three buildings, but also the original building, but not on a 10-year lease this time, but on a 30-year lease with a peppercorn, which... Allows St Basil's as a registered provider of homes to actually draw down additional funding from Homes England, but also it attracted the attention of the local authority. And some other charitable organisations who have made donations and pledges to bring these three accommodation blocks online, which will provide something like 54 new accommodation units available for homeless young people or people who would have otherwise been homeless if they wasn't in the scheme. And that's going to be hopefully where it will start early in the new year on that and completed by the end of next year which I think will be a fantastic addition to the estate that we've got here in Sandwell because we've already just got planning permission for a key worker accommodation site and that will be building 120 key worker accommodation units there. That will encourage a community community within the geographical footprint of a general hospital in the middle of of West Bromwich. But it will also support the other key workers in the area and encourage some of our young people who are in the live and work scheme to look at those sort of professions as well, teaching... So that's been a successful application and we've been given planning permission approval for that. But what we've also been successful in, we've secured £12.9 million worth of town funding to build a learning academy next to our new hospital up in Smethwick. What will move into that is another project which we call the Learning Works, which has been an instrumental part of supporting the Live and Work scheme. The Learning Works okay. focuses on widening participation. It attracts people of all ages into employment within the NHS and also supports people from overseas getting into employment within the NHS where they've got qualification from abroad but can't practice within the UK until they pass a certain amount of exams and, and language courses. But that is an integral part of the whole system around our workforce, how we look at developing our workforce. And I think this does link into the anchor institutions where one of the key elements of that is around yeah. personnel, people and your workforce top tips for other people looking to explore this type of activity, one of them that I would say is be prepared for some setbacks. And it can be extremely challenging, both for Mm. the individuals, the young people, but also for the staff who are having to look after them. But we all learn from that and we get stronger. And I I think that's where the partnership and the trust, the trust between the individual St. Basil's and the trust, uh, the NHS trust I'm talking about there, That's one of the things that needs establishing.
0: Once you've got that, I think you can achieve lots and lots of things. If you take a kind of a life course prevention focused approach, okay. so you think whether you're a trust, if you're part of the integrated care system, what are the wider issues? So tackling health inequalities, it's not just about running a service, it's the whole thing. And if you look at that, and if you look at other partners that can come with you and you co-design the approach and you have shared objectives, and then you share the risks as well. So you work through it together, open book, cards on the table, be honest with each other, make sure that user voice is heard, like you've said, because we can deal with things both as individuals, but the systemic issues we're responsible for as well. And I think if those of us in any kind of leadership position, It's about really listening and at the same time implementing the systemic and structural changes required. And I think if you do that with a willingness, then you will have a proper integrated care system. That would be my advice, really.
1: Some of the other things on the social side and the economic development side. Again, okay? the Department of Work and Pensions pay a lot of money out in Job Seekers Allowance. The local authorities pay a lot of money out in housing benefit. We are taking these people out of that cycle. Yes. And not only are we taking them out and putting them into employment where they're contributing back into that economy through tax and national insurance, we're also preventing a lot of the long-term conditions if it doesn't get addressed. When we talk about how do we treat homelessness, we treat the conditions of homelessness by applying a plaster or giving them some medication or putting people in rehab. What we've got an opportunity here to do, we are preventing it. Uh, at a very early stage and preventing it from becoming a long-term condition and issue for those particular individuals. We're also taking quite a huge chunk of people out of poverty, which can only be a good thing.
0: Every bit of research shows that early spend is better than late spend. So whether it's health inequalities, whether it's preventing homelessness, whether it's you know, criminal justice system, all of those things. If we can make the upstream universal space inclusive and help keep people in school, not falling out of education, you know, in a job, on a pathway to a job, having a housing offer, which is safe and affordable. If we can do those things, that's what social security proper is about, isn't it? If we can provide that for our citizens then the chances are they will not tumble out. We will reduce the risks, we'll increase the protective factors, and they won't tumble into ultimate exclusion, which includes poor health, which includes all of the ills that can happen if you are at that rough sleeping end. You die at the age of 43. That is the average lifespan of someone who is in that rough sleeping cycle. So I think what we're saying is it's every part of the system, public, private, voluntary. We need to work together to become a proper integrated system that helps keep people in.
1: Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to access further resources and guidance on ways to ensure integrated care is working for your communities, please visit england.nhs.uk forward slash integrated care.
0: You've been listening to a podcast produced by Robert Mulligan. For NHS England and NHS Improvements.